0: of teaching that we have been on since the beginning of the year. And um, I'm going to be reiterating some of the important things that we have discussed, as well as conclude with presenting to you how simple the gospel is. That's why we need a lot of help to misunderstand it. The gospel is so simple that even the most uneducated and the most simple ones can understand it. Because once you understand the gospel, you really begin to live a life that is transformed and renewed and what Jesus called it, the eternal life or the abundant life that He came to give us. So let's go back to the beginning when we began the series where we find Moses on the top of the mountain having a conversation with God. And we're going to read a few verses of Scripture. Actually, we're going to go through quite a few verses this morning. And uh, let's begin with Exodus 33 beginning with verse 14. Remember, Moses is up on the mountain having communion and conversation with God, and this is, what, this is part of what they exchanged. The Lord said to him, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here. Now, (laughs) what a thing to say. God says, My presence will go with you. And then Moses says, Well, if your presence does not go with us. I mean, what what does that mean? If God says, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to give you rest... It's not wise to say, well, if you do not go with me, don't take me up from here. Do you get it? It's like us when the Lord says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you, and then you pray, oh Lord God, be with us. Does that make any spiritual sense to you? God already said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So why not rather say, Lord, thank you for your presence. Thank you for going where I'm going because I'm going with you and you're going with me. Thank you for your divine protection. Thank you for your provision because you promised you will take care of me. Amen? So, let's read. For for how will it be known... That your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us. So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This is what prayer really is. It's fellowship and conversation with God. It's not a one-way street. It's not a one-way conversation. Moses communicates and talks to God, and God talks to Moses. And remember, that's even in the Old Covenant. So it should be with us in the New Covenant more real, that we should be able to share our heart with God, we should be able to talk to Him, and then stop and listen to what He has to say. Amen? That's what prayer should be. But notice, when Moses asked, "'Show me your glory,' God responded immediately and He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. God's glory is the revelation of His nature. When you're asking for God's glory to be revealed to you, what we are asking is that God would show us and reveal to us His goodness, His kindness, His grace, His mercy, and all that makes Him to be God. That is the glory of God. The revelation of God's nature, God's goodness, God's power, God's tangible presence in our lives. And we have been teaching that this year, God wants us to focus on the development of our faith so that we may experience and taste more of the goodness of God, more of the glory of God, more of His grace and mercy that is already available to us in Christ Jesus. Amen? You with me so far? Psalm 31 and verse 19. We've looked at this verse several times. "'How great is your goodness.'" which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. The word here reveals to us that God has laid up great goodness for those who fear Him, for those who love Him, for those who trust in Him. And it tells us that God has already prepared this goodness for each and every one of us. It's not a matter of God giving us because He has already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's not a matter of us asking God or petitioning God to do what He has already done. From God's point of view, it has been done it is finished, all that you will ever need or require in this life in order to walk in a pleasing way to God has already been provided. Amen? So, God is not our problem. Anybody believes that? It would be good to say amen now and again. 1 Corinthians 2.9 I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. That's past tense. God has already prepared wonderful things. And it belongs to us. Now, the grace and the goodness of God revealed in Christ Jesus. When we petition God to reveal His glory or show me your glory, God already has responded to that prayer request. He has done so by the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we look at Christ and what He has done already for us, we are seeing the very goodness of God demonstrated toward us. The grace of God. Amen. But... The Word of God says in the book of Titus, chapter 2, that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Did you know that the grace of God has been given to every person who's ever lived on the face of the earth? But not everybody will be saved. Why? Because not everybody believes or receives what God has already given us through His grace. And we've discussed the fact that the way we appropriate the very things that God has provided for us is through faith and by faith. Faith is the designated channel to receive from God. For by grace are you saved through faith. Anything you and I receive from God, it comes by grace through your faith. God's part is the grace part. Our part is the faith part. And we've explained the definition of faith is simply our positive response to what God has already done. Faith is appropriating and receiving what God has already given to you. Amen? You see, the central theme of the New Testament is the word believe. That's the central theme. You will find it all over the New Testament, and we're going to look at some of these verses. Only believe. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, all of us know this verse of Scripture, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, everlasting life is not living forever in heaven. When the Bible speaks of eternal life, of everlasting life, it speaks of the quality of life that God has. Jesus said, this is life eternal that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's relationship with God. There's this word believe again. John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus said to Martha, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? There is that word, the glory of God, again is revealed. The nature of God, the goodness of God, the power of God, the tangible presence of God is revealed to those who believe. Let's go to another one, Matthew chapter 8, verse 13. I'm establishing a fact here that the central theme of the New Testament is the word believe. Only believe, and we will discuss what we ought to believe. Then Jesus said to the centurion who came, asking for a miracle for his servant who was lying in bed with a palsy. Jesus said, Go your way, and as you have believed... Let it be done for you. And the servant was healed that same hour. You see, here is the glory of God revealed to this sick person who was lying on uh, on the bed with a palsy. It is the goodness of God that's revealed in raising him up and healing him. That's the glory of God being revealed to this person. But what did it take for the glory of God to be revealed and demonstrated in this person's life? It took the centurions believing. The centurion said to Jesus, You don't have to come to my house and lay your hand on my servant. Just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said, I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. And then He said to him, Go your way and as you have believed let it be done unto you. Do you see that? You want the glory of God to be revealed, demonstrated in your life every single day? All you need to do is simply believe. Believe the Word of God. Believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because the gospel is the power of God to save everyone who believes, not just some people, but every single person who believes the gospel is the power of God to save, to heal, to deliver, to provide, to protect, and to meet your every need in this life. Simple, isn't it? Only believe. Matthew 21 and verse 22, Jesus is teaching on the subject of prayer. And he says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. There's that word again. Believing, you will receive. As I said before, it would be wonderful if Jesus didn't put that word believing there and said, All things you ask in prayer, you shall receive. But there's that condition again. Believing. If you believe that you receive when you pray, you shall have it. Amen? Mark chapter 9, verse 23. You see, we have a choice. Either believe and receive, or doubt and stay without, or go without. Mark 9, 23. When the Father came to Jesus with the Son who was uh, dominated or, or, or oppressed by an evil spirit of epilepsy, the father said to the Lord Jesus, Lord, if you, if you can do something about this, please help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe. It's not a, it's not a matter of whether I can or not can. It's a matter of whether you can believe or not believe. If you can believe all things, how many things? Does that include healing for our bodies? Does that include financial provision? Does that include good relations in your marriage? Amen? All things are possible. To whom? To him who believes. There is that word again, the central theme of the new covenant. Believe. Only believe. All things are possible to them who believe. Let's go on. Jesus heals the two blind men. Let's read the story. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 27 through to 29. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed Him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when He had come into the house, the blind men came to Him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? You see, some people believe that God is able. Every one of us who has been born again believes that God is all-powerful, that God is able. But how many of us believe that not only God is able, but God is willing to do it for you? Or God has already done it for you? Amen? It's easy to believe that God is able, but to believe that God is willing to do it for me, it takes responsibility. I have to take responsibility for believing. It's not all up to God. I need to believe. I need to exercise my faith. And I need to act on what I say that I believe. James says, Faith alone, if it has no works or corresponding action, is dead. And many of us in the body of Christ have an intellectual faith... Which really is not a, a heart faith, because heart faith not only believes but acts on what it says it believes. Amen. Hallelujah. So and when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, notice their their response. There's no hesitation in their voice. Do you believe that God healed you 2,000 years ago? Then why do you act like you're sick? Hello? Do you believe that God met all of your needs when Jesus died on the cross according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus? Then why do you spend your time worrying about what you will eat, what you will drink, whether you will have enough or not have enough. You see, it's not enough to say, I believe. You're going to have to act like you believe. Hello? Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. Not taken away from you, added to you. God knows your needs even before you ask Him. Amen? So they said, Yes, Lord, we believe. Then He touched their eyes, saying, According to your believing, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. This is the law of the Bible, the law of the New Testament. It's according to your faith that it will be done for you. Not according to my faith. When it comes to me, I can believe. But when it comes to you, it's not enough for me to believe God for you. You're going to have to believe because your unbelief can nullify my faith for you. Amen? And he touched their eyes and he said, according to your faith. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or imagine. But it is according to something. It is according to the power that is at work within us. And we've discussed that this power that is at work within us is called what? Faith. Resurrection power. Did you know that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you and I by the Holy Spirit. It's not, a, it's not a less power. It's not a different power. It's resurrection power. It's within us. Amen? Imagine that. You, you carry within you, wherever you go, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But our heads don't know it yet. So if that power is going to be released from our spirit man into the natural world where it can touch people's lives and make a difference, it has to pass through the mind. The mind is the valve that releases the power of God. That is why if we remain with an unrenewed mind, the power that is within us will stay within us and will never be released into this natural, physical world to do the works of God. Someone gave this illustration. He said, imagine a pipe of water above you, and it's, it's plugged into the faucet. The water is running, and right above your head is a valve. And the, and the pipe goes right to the other side and, and, and releases the water that is flowing from the mainstream into outside. But the valve that controls and governs the amount of water that is released is the renewed mind, the soul. You get it? That is why it's so important to study the Word of God and find out what God has already given us and renew our mind so that our mind can be in perfect agreement with our spirits. You see, wrong thinking will limit the very power of God within you. Wrong thinking and wrong speaking. Hello? Let's move on according to your faith here in acts chapter 16 verse 30 and 31 the jailer brought paul and silas led them outside of the town when uh, when they sang and and the story is they praised god the the foundations of the jail were rocked and the prison doors were opened and the jailer was so scared that the prisoners would run away and it would cost him his life. Paul shouted out to him, do yourself no harm, we are all here. And then he led them out of the city and he asked him this question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He was so overwhelmed by the display of God's power. And God's glory that was revealed in that jail, he fell on his knees and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Someone comes and asks you today, what must I do to be saved? Well, you're going to have to go to church. You're going to have to do this. Is that what you're going to tell him? No. Coming to church doesn't save us. He said, believe. There's that word again. Believe. On the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved and your household. Simple, believe. Romans chapter eight. Verses eight says, "If you will confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved." How simple is that? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's not by works, it's by faith. Amen. But faith has works. God had given us His faith, and through that faith we can do the impossible. What natural human beings cannot do. Amen. Amen. Mark 16, verse 5, 15 and 16. Jesus commissioning His disciples, and He says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes, there is that word again, and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Do you know that the only sin the world will be judged on or condemned It is the sin of unbelief, of rejecting Jesus. That's all. All other sins. You can imagine the vilest sin that you can imagine has already been dealt with and forgiven when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Every sin. The only sin that people will be judged by and condemned It is the sin of rejecting what Jesus Christ has done for them only. That is why Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world of what? Not the believer. The world of sin. Why? Because they do not believe on Me. That's a revelation. The world was reconciled to God through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not angry anymore. All of the wrath, all of the curse, all of the sickness, all of the disease, all of the horrible things that sin has brought into the world has been dealt with through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. And the Bible says, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Wow. Is that simple enough? What are we to believe? He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. What are we to believe? Simple. We are to believe the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to set you free if you believe it. If you don't believe it, you will remain where you are. And the gospel is not only you are saved so that you can go to heaven. You are to live a life that is victorious, abundant, full of joy. What are we to believe? The gospel. Well, what is the gospel? Gospel is good news. There is no bad news in the gospel. Amen? Yet many preachers are preaching bad news today. It's all good news. The gospel. Believe the gospel. That means believe who Jesus is. What He has done for us through His death and resurrection. We are to believe who we are in Him what we have because of Him, and what we can do through Him. Is that simple enough? It's not only to believe what Jesus has done and who He is, but you need to believe who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen? And listen, we are to constantly live with these images in our minds. We are to speak of these things every single day, and we are to meditate on them day and night. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you this. The more you value your salvation, the more we speak about it, the more we meditate on it, the more real and tangible it becomes to us. But... If you focus on the problem, if you focus on the circumstances, then your salvation loses its reality. Because the principle is this, what you focus on and what you meditate on, it becomes bigger than your, what already Christ has done for you. Why do you think the Lord says you will meditate in my word day and night? You've got to spend your time discovering and finding out what Jesus has done for you and for me. And what it means to us today. Today. That's why the early disciples had such a revelation of the love of God and what God has done for them that everything else seemed so insignificant and unimportant in their lives. They had so much joy in their lives. They had so much courage and boldness. Because of this revelation of what God has done for them in Christ, they ran to their deaths singing and praising God. Why? Because their salvation was so real. The reason many believers are not excited about Christ today and what He has done for them is because they have not fully understood the riches or the realities of our salvation. Amen? Why? Because they focused on the problems, the circumstances, the opinions of what others say the world, rather than what Christ has done for us. What we focus on and spend our time thinking becomes the central theme in our lives. That's why the Word says, look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And the New Testament instruction, the Lord has given us one instruction, believe, But that believing is worked out by standing fast in the liberty by which Christ made us free. It is is refusing to be moved by what you see, by what you feel, by what other people say, standing firm on what what Christ has already done for you. And it's recorded in Galatians 5.1. Paul says, stand fast. What does it mean to stand fast? Don't be moved. Regardless of what you feel, what you see, what the circumstances say, what the people say, what the doctors say, what the politicians say. The Word says, stand fast. In what? In the liberty by which Christ made us free and not allow yourself to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage don't be moved remain firm remain steadfast in the faith first corinthians 16:13 says stand fast in the faith be brave be strong that's a command it's not a suggestion stand fast In what? In your faith. Be brave and be strong. The only fight we have to fight is the fight of faith. And believe me, it's a fight. And it's a good fight because the fight of faith always wins. Has never been defeated so far. Fight the good fight of faith, Paul says. Lay hold on eternal life. Take it by faith. Stand fast on it. Refuse to be moved. Amen? Now, finally. Here Paul emphasizes this this principle in Colossians 1, verse 21 to 23. He's speaking to born-again believers, and he said, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now He has reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy, blameless, above reproach in His sight. That's who you are. In your spirit, man, you are perfect. You are holy. You are without blame and without reproach in His sight. When God looks at you... He looks at your spirit, man. He looks at you from the spiritual standpoint, not from the natural. Are you listening to me? That is why, in your spirit, you exactly like Jesus. 1 John chapter 4 says, As He is in this world, so are we now. Not going to be, What's John talking about? As Jesus is, so are we in this world. He's looking us and judging us from the spiritual standpoint, and he said, just like Jesus is, so are you in this world. For he that is joined unto the Lord is what? Come on. He who is joined unto the Lord is what? When God looks at you, he looks at your spirit, man, that's been justified, made righteous in his side. You will never be any more holy than what you are today. You will never be any more righteous than what you are today. All you need to do is renew your mind with what happened to you in your spirit. And when your mind and your spirit are in agreement, it's two against one, the body, and you will learn to subdue the body and walk in that righteousness which you already have in Christ. Righteousness is not earned by behavior or conduct. Righteousness is a gift from God through Christ Jesus. Amen? You don't work to be righteous. You already are righteous because God made you righteous. So don't be afraid to say, I am righteous. I am reconciled to God. I am who God says I am. Now when you believe that and your mind is renewed with that, guess what will take what will happen to inferiority complexes, to fears, to doubts? They will vanish. When the light is turned on, darkness flees. You know that the biggest battle, the biggest part of the battle we have is finding out what you already have. Because the devil wants to keep you in the dark. He wants to keep you ignorant of what has taken place. When you receive a revelation of your new nature in Christ, you become as bold and courageous as lions. You enter the presence of the Lord boldly, not timidly, not begging like a beggar, but boldly, and you receive what God has already provided for you in Christ Jesus. You just take it because it belongs to you. You look at me like, what's, what's the pastor talking about? You believe this truth, it will kill the accusation and the accuser in your life. The word says, We know men, we do not know any man after the flesh anymore, even though we have known Jesus. From now on, we don't know anyone after the flesh. There's only two classes of people in this world the righteous and the unrighteous, the holy and the unholy, those who are part of God's family and those who are part of the devil's family. We know them after the Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, Don't you know what your spirit of? They wanted to call fire from heaven and burn those who rejected them. They wanted to do what Elijah did, What Elisha. They were still thinking back in the old covenant. and says, Don't you know what spirit you're of? We must, we must know ourselves after the spirit. And that is why I say you've got to know who you are, what Christ has done for you, what you have, and what you're capable of. You're not just human. One-third of you is superhuman. You are spiritual. You've been endowed with the Holy Spirit. The very power of God lives on the inside of you. But it's no good remaining. It has to come outside. So he says, you are holy, you are blameless, you are above reproach in His sight. If, listen to that word, if indeed you continue in the faith, if you continue in what you first believed and you are grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you've heard. Wow, that is powerful. It says that's who you are if you continue in the faith. So that means it's a possibility where you fall back, where you no longer believe and you start believing what you're seeing, you start believing what you're feeling, what everybody else says about you. You have to remain steadfast in the liberty and the freedom and the blessing that Christ has blessed you with. Amen? The Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 4:18, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. These are the realities that we ought to live by and meditate on day and night so they become more real than what we feel, what we see. The problem is we are too plugged into this world and into this natural carnal world and not plugged enough into the kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel today. We thank You for the good news that's been proclaimed to us, the gospel of the kingdom, that we are the redeemed of the Lord, and we say so, that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that You have met and provided our every need according to Your riches in glory by Christ Jesus.